We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. A UCLA professor comes out and admits something that very few academics ever do. He was wrong and conservatives were right about the consequences of progressive ideas on our culture. But here's the thing, he doesn't offer a solution. All he does is talk about the problem. I'm gonna talk about this story and some solutions on today's show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. Well, as we're coming to the end of 2022, the last week of this year, there's a story that just got reported in the Daily Wire that I find fascinating. The headline is this, UCLA professor admits conservatives' fears were justified about leftist academics in the workforce. Again, this is a story published by the Daily Wire. The author is Christina Buttons, and the date of this particular story is December 26th, the day after Christmas, 2022. This is a story, essentially, that summarizes almost everything I try to talk about on this show, The Rebellion. You know, I've I've said it over and over again. Ideas have consequences. I've talked about the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. I've talked about Richard Weaver over and over and over again, and how his book, Ideas Have Consequences, is a book that you don't even need to read. All you need to do is, is recognize the cover, and that is this. Ideas have consequences. Good ideas, good consequences. Bad ideas, bad consequences. And because I am one of those dastardly academics, if you will, I made my career in the academy. My entire professional life was dedicated to the ivory tower and all of the ideals and the goods that it stands for. And because my life was changed in a positive way, in a good way, because of higher education, because of the the uh, encouragement that I received from my mom and dad who didn't even have high school diplomas to go off to college and to learn something and therefore open up new opportunities for myself as the result of going to school because I learned to think critically, to look at ideas and to assess them, analyze them, and to weigh them on the scales of truth and falsehood. Because I was trained to do this, I believe in the beauty of the ivory tower. I think it is one of God's gifts to civilization. I also recognize the tremendous degradation of the foundations of that tower. And as I've said before on this show, the ivory tower has turned into the Tower of Babel, and that tower is collapsing, and it's not just affecting the the local university and the local college. It's affecting all of culture. Well, the interesting part about this story, written by Christina Buttons in the Daily Wire, is that this professor that we're going to talk about seems to be somewhat surprised with the effectiveness of his own industry. The fact that the ideas that the academy, the university, our colleges have been teaching for 50 years are actually bearing themselves out in our culture. 
So that's today's show. He bemoans the problem, this professor, correctly. And he has other people chiming in and saying, yeah, Elon Musk chimes in. Um, Richard Dawkins chimes in, as do others. But here's the thing. It doesn't appear that anybody has a solution. They're just talking about the terrible consequences of what we've wrought and what we've taught. But they don't talk about what we can do to correct it. And I think the answer of the correction, the answer to the problem, is as clear as the nose on your face. So let's take a break. When I get back, I'll share the story with you briefly. And then I'll share with you what I think the obvious lesson of history is here. The obvious solution is, but nobody seems to see it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Let's deal very quickly with an overview of this story. Again, the title is, the headline is, UCLA professor admits conservatives' fears were justified about leftist academics in the workforce. Christina Buttons, December 26, 2022, if you want to look up the article. An academic critic admitted that he was wrong. This is the first sentence in the article. Well, that should scream to you, pay attention, because this almost never happens. Academics, faculty, are arrogant, quite frankly. Um, My industry is a very self-righteous industry. It's comprised of a lot of very smart people who have the highest degrees. They're called terminal degrees for a reason. You can't get one any higher. You terminate at that level in your profession. You can't get a higher degree. And because these people have these degrees, they're very self-confident, to say the least. Um, So when you get a bunch of very smart people together... At any given point in time, what do you have? You have a lot of hubris, and that's what you have within the ivory tower, within the academy. Well, what has traditionally been the mitigating factor of that hubris? The mitigating force within the ivory tower has always been truth with a capital T. That's the thing that kind of 
softens the arrogance and the hubris of the faculty because they've recognized over the centuries that their goal is to pursue something that's even smarter than themselves. What is smarter than themselves? Truth, the word. Truth with a capital T, the word with a capital W. The traditional mission of the academy, of the ivory tower, was to follow the words of Christ, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I've said before that those words of Christ himself are words that have been etched in the headers, the entrance of many a library across the ages because institutions recognized that was their goal. We've talked before about how so many universities in the United States and in Europe have mission statements that are grounded in what? The Bible recognizing that there are truths in the Bible, the revelation of reality of God, natural law, self-evident truths, all of this language is grounded in the scriptural assumption that there are ideas out there that are bigger and better than opinions, that there are facts in our world that trump the feelings of anybody, regardless of how smart they are. So when an academic critic admits that he's wrong, you should sit up and take notice, because this never happens. Well, who's this critic? Who is this professor? His name is Russell Jacoby, and he's a professor emeritus of history at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. And he wrote a book back in 1987 where he dismissed all of this fear that conservatives were peddling, that somehow postmodern ideology would result in the collapse of the free world. Okay, there were conservatives writing about this back in the 80s and 90s. Um, There were people back then that were sounding the alarm. Uh, Frankly, I was one of them. As a very young um, upstart within the ivory tower, I just graduated from my undergraduate program at a Christian liberal arts institution, and I was pursuing my master's degree and my Ph.D. at Bowling Green State University and then Michigan State University, respectively. And I recognized that something was wrong with what I was being taught. What was wrong? It was all vacuous. We were taking the biblical worldview out of the academy, out of the curriculum, but there was nothing filling it other than ourselves, other than our hubris, other than our arrogance. We had taken God out, we had killed God, and we assumed that we could live as a free people, as a moral people, with no God at all. Not recognizing what? You know where I'm going with this. Not recognizing that we never do that. That nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Billy Preston, 1970 uh, uh, pop culture. Um, This rock star of the 70s, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You got to have something if you want to be with me. That that philosophy of Billy Preston was actually very deep and meaningful. You never get nothing. You're always going to have something. You're going to fill the vacuum. Vacuums are always filled. So if you kill God, if you take God out of the equation, you're going to replace God with something. And what we were doing in the academy at the time, even when I was a young buck in my 20s and early 30s, what we were doing is tempting ourselves to become as God. You notice that the story in the, in the, in the Old Testament, the Genesis narrative of the original sin, it doesn't declare that God is um, is dead. When Satan tempts Eve, he doesn't say, oh, God doesn't exist. That's silly talk. Um, you're, y- you've been duped. 
this is all merely fantasy and fable and fairy tale. That's not what Satan says to Eve when he tempts her in the garden. He says, did God really say? He acknowledges God's existence, but he tempts Eve to recognize that she's just as good as God. She can be as God if she'll just eat from the apple of the knowledge of good and evil. So even Satan, in his original temptation of Eve, does not claim that God is absent or that he doesn't exist. He recognizes that in the soul of human beings, the imago Dei, the image of God, that we always are going to create a God of some sort, that we always will fill the vacuum with something that vacuums never remain empty. And he tempts Eve to fill that vacuum with herself. And, that, and thus the problem. That's where we are today. All right, let's get back to the article. So Jacoby, a professor emeritus of history at the University of uh, Southern California, excuse me, University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, he wrote this book uh, 35 years ago, and he basically said conservatives are hyperbolic. They're fear-mongering. This isn't going to happen. So anyway, Jacoby wrote this book in 1987. It was titled The Last Intellectuals. And he basically said that, uh, um, don't worry about it, that this is just academic talk, that these people who have these crazy ideas, these postmodern ideas, these ideas will uh, germinate internally within the academy, but they're so crazy, they're so (laughs) narcissistic and foolish that we just need to stop worrying about them because these ideas, these progressive ideas, these ideas that are grounded in... um, offshoots, as he calls it, of Marxist-derived critical theories that are taught in the universities, they won't bring chaos to Western civilization, he argued, Uh, and conservatives should wake up from their nightmare of radical scholars destroying America and relax. This is what Jacoby is saying. And now he's saying, I was wrong. He says this, at the time he believed that these academics, these people in the ivory tower, your colleges and universities, were too consumed with themselves to have any noticeable impact on the broader culture. They would publish and they would talk to themselves. They would have their own echo chamber within the ivory tower, within their various different uh, divisions within the academy, you know, the Department of Humanities and whatnot, psychology, sociology, the social sciences, these things. He said they would be talking to themselves, but they would not have any noticeable impact on culture at all because the business community, the community at large, wouldn't stand for this because the stuff was so crazy. This is my paraphrase. But now Jacoby is admitting that he missed something. Um, Now, he says it wasn't very obvious to him when he wrote his book in 1987, but this is what he says he missed, the dawning takeover of the public sphere by campus denizens and their lingo, his language. So how did the public sphere get taken over by these people? How did he miss that? Well, Jacoby attributes it to the changing university landscape over the decades. Basically, what he's arguing is the reason these people didn't stay within their own little conclaves in the academy and talk to themselves is because there weren't enough jobs for these people to get within 
academic life. They couldn't get a job in the university. There weren't enough professor or assistant professor. Uh, there weren't enough associate professor positions at the various different universities across the land to give these people meaningful employment. So what did they do? They took their ideas, their progressive postmodern ideas, and they went out into the workforce. They went and got jobs at Google and Facebook and Twitter, and they started becoming fact checkers, thought police. Again, I'm paraphrasing this. Uh, Back to his language. The hordes who took courses in critical pedagogy, gender studies, radical anthropology, Marxist cinema theory, I mean, these are really majors in the academy, and postmodernism, they could no longer get university careers, he said. And as the result, they joined the workforce, bringing with them the sensibilities and jargon they learned on their campuses. That's his language. Okay, he goes on and says this. The leftists who would have vanished as assistant professors in conferences on narratology and gender fluidity or disappeared as law professors with unreadable essays on misogynistic hegemony and intersectionality, they were pushed into the larger culture, he says. Now, I th- he's right in a great, in a great, in great measure to to an extensive degree. He's right that they were pushed out into the larger culture. But where I think he's missing the point here is that he assumed that these bad ideas would have no consequence other than just germinating internally, and that they would never jump the walls of the ivory tower and get out into the public square. Well, that's crazy talk. Here's why. Who do you think's teaching the future teachers of America? It's these professors. So even if they're small in number in your local university, they're teaching in your college of education at Oklahoma State University or the University of Oklahoma or Kansas State University or even your local Christian college. They're teaching in your schools of education, and therefore those students are going to mature get jobs themselves where? In your public schools, and they're going to start feeding this garbage to your students. And that's exactly what has happened for some 20, 30 years or so. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. So this is, um, this is a, the problem is rightly identified by Jacoby and the Daily Wire, but there is no solution offered. Um, more from the article. The buzzwords of diversity, inclusion, microaggressions, power, differential, white privilege, group safety. These buzzwords have become part of public life. Yes, they have, because you succeeded. Dr. Jacoby, you succeeded. Your ideas actually worked. Maybe not his ideas, but the ideas of UCLA and every other university across the country worked. And you were naive, if not foolish, or closed-minded or something. I don't know what was going on that you thought these ideas within the various different departments of gender studies at public university X, Y, or Z across the country. I think that was naive and foolish to not recognize the power of ideas. Um, Okay, so it goes on. They talk about how even the ACLU has dropped any mention of the First Amendment from its annual reports. The ACLU was grounded on the assumption that the First Amendment was the end-all and be-all of human existence, that everybody has the right to say what they want to say. Atheists have the right to say what they want to say in the public square, etc., etc. Well, now the ACLU says the First Amendment is disproportionately enjoyed by people of power and privilege. 
So now the ACLU is not about the First Amendment to say what you want to say, no matter how offensive it is. Now the ACLU is about perpetuating the power and privilege of those who have not had it in the past, but should have it now. That's fascism. That's not First Amendment. Um, Here's something that Jacoby says that I think is very prescient. He says, self-righteous professors have spawned self-righteous students who filter into the public square. Spot on. I'm glad you've acknowledged that. He also goes on and says, the students, however, constitute an unmitigated disaster intellectually and politically as they enter the workforce. We're seeing that in spades right now. Twitter files, perfect example, Exhibit A. Now, there are a variety of folks out there who are saying, well, good for you, thanks for identifying the obvious, but what's the solution? Jerry Coyne, who is an evolutionary biologist, some of you may have read his book, Why Evolution, Evolution, excuse me, Why Evolution is True, um, he says this about this particular comment by Jacoby. There's no solution offered by Jacoby, Coyne says, just a big rant about how things are. And indeed, goes on Coyne, Given that the study mills are still grinding out students who will thus infest university administrations and the media for years to come, we'll all be in in the ground (laughs) long before this movement ever dies out. That's what Coyne's saying. Uh, Not a Christian at all. Richard Dawkins chimes in. Uh, He shares uh, Coyne's review. Dawkins says this, Progressive professors are the root of all evil. (laughs) <laughs> good, good. All right, so Dawkins, this atheist who has ranted and raved against the evil of the biblical God, is now using biblical language to condemn what? Progressivism, all right? Not realizing that he's condemning himself. He's sawing off the branch upon which he sits. Elon Musk chimes in, and uh, he responds to Dawkins in his post and says, True, progressive professors are the root of all evil. So isn't that interesting? So where are we on all of this? And why do I say there is a solution? Well, here's where we are in summary. It appears that this professor from UCLA is acknowledging, number one, that he was wrong. Number two, we have a problem because of bad ideas creating bad culture. Number three, You teach self-absorption, you're going to get self-absorbed people in your culture. You teach narcissism, you're going to get a narcissistic culture. You teach childish thinking, and you're going to get a uh, a very immature nation. A nation of whining and crying adolescents as opposed to courageous and confident adults. Bad ideas, bad culture. It appears that Jacoby is admitting that. It appears that even Dawkins recognizes that. It appears that Coyne, as well as Elon Musk, are agreeing. Got a problem, right? But do you hear any talk of a solution? Coyne is rightly pointing out, what what are we going to do about this? Well, I would argue the solution is in the tagline of this show. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. We live in times of incredible deception. It's universal. We're lying to ourselves over and over again. We lie to ourselves about what a woman is and is not. We lie to ourselves about what a child is or isn't. We're 
degrading the very nature of childhood innocence on this altar of self-worship. We're lying to ourselves in the medical profession now by ignoring the Hippocratic oath that we should do no wrong. Today's doctors, medical schools and whatnot, are rushing to the operating table to carve and mutilate minors because they have feelings that don't comport with the reality of biology. I mean, we're living in crazy land. We're suffering the consequences of all this terrible thinking, this terrible teaching. Yes, the ideas did jump out of the ivory tower into culture. Yes, what we taught did bear itself out in our communities, in our families, in our government. Surprise, surprise, bad ideas, bad culture. Good ideas would have led to the opposite. That's the solution. In times of universal deceit, truth with a capital T, is the only rebellion left. Not more of you, not more of me, not more self-worship, but more recognition that you're not God and there is something bigger and better than you that is. Truth, with a capital T. Now, you may say, well, that's what you believe, but who decides what's true? Truth decides what's true. And that's not circular reasoning. If you acknowledge that there is something out there that should fill the vacuum, back to Billy Preston, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. you got to have something. Well, what is the something? You pursue it. You recognize it. It's out there. You recognize that it's true that rape is wrong. You recognize that it's true that the Holocaust was a bad deal. You recognize that it's true that slavery should be reviled and not promoted. You recognize that these are not just power plays by the people who happened to be in the majority at the time or the people that had the biggest guns. No, these are principles that are enduring and eternal regardless of power. Rape is always wrong. The Holocaust is always evil, and slavery should never be promoted as a positive thing. Can we all agree on that? And if we can, we need to recognize that postmodernity is vacuous, because as I've told you before, there's always going to be a God. Postmodernity claims that you can deconstruct everything, you can tear down everything, and from that vacuum, you can live in total freedom with everything being relative, and it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. That worldview has never worked in all of human history. We never see any example of creating such a moral vacuum, such nihilism, such radical relativism. We've never seen any example of that actually working in any culture. If you take truth out of the equation and you replace it with feelings— If you take God out and replace him with yourself, if you declare yourself to be as God because you don't believe there is any other God, you have a problem. You don't have a solution. So the solution to this nightmare that Jacoby is admitting has burst on the scenes, that has jumped out of the colleges and universities, this monster that is now walking throughout our culture from Twitter to Facebook to Google to the corporate boardrooms of America, and even within our Congress, and even within your local courthouse. This monster that's running rampant can only be controlled by truth, the pursuit of truth, the correction that truth brings to the table, the acknowledgement that you can objectively define things, and not all 
is going to be subjectively determined by you as an individual or by the power of the people and the upraised Marxist fist. No, that isn't the solution. You won't have more freedom as you engage in this vacuous, this vacuous idea of postmodernity. Remember I said that if you divide all of human history into three basic components, you have the supernatural, where we believe that there was something above the natural, that there was a God above and beyond what you could see and touch and taste and smell and hear. There was a God above the empirical. It was supernatural. And then we entered into the simply natural era of history in the Enlightenment, where we claimed that there was no God, we killed God, and that all that you could hold as being true and right and real was only the empirical, the simply natural. If you couldn't taste it and touch it and see it, that it just wasn't so. And many of us were raised with those ideas. But yet we still benefited from the supernatural assumptions of self-evident truths that were endowed to us by our Creator. And therefore, freedom of speech was assumed to be a natural right. But we never bothered to explain where it came from. And then we entered into post-modernity. It wasn't simply natural and it wasn't supernatural. It was superman, the ubermensch where we rise and declare ourselves to be as God. We jump the ivory tower and we start trying to control everybody who disagrees with us. The only solution to this problem is recognize that in these days of universal deceit, truth, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion.